Coming up, the Brooklyn Nets suffer one of their first true blowouts of the season at the hands of the Philadelphia 76ers. What went wrong defensively? What couldn't get going offensively? And why does this sting so much for a team that has played well early in the year? We dive in, coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. I'm Adam Armbrecht, sans Doug Norrie. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We're 100% free on all those great platforms. And let you know today's post-game episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use promo code all lowercase LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And unfortunately, on what is typically known as a football Sunday, we have to talk about the Brooklyn Nets really getting just just beat up at home here, 121 to 99 at the hands of the Philadelphia 76ers. The 76ers who after trading away James Harden seem as many franchises do to get a bit of a a breath of fresh air and find themselves now 10 and three also four and one on the road. So they do it all over the NBA nets drop below 500. Once again, here at six and seven. Now we're going to talk about specifically on the net side of things, Mikhail Bridges performance, some troubling stats when we get into that third quarter and then other, yes, still standouts. When we talk about Lonnie Walker and a little bit of a larger sample size around one trend in Watford, but, but at the highest level here, I think the thing that really bothers us in this game is that the Brooklyn Nets just got beat up. And listen, if you told us in the offseason, what was this going to look like, right? You know, how are we going to think this team was going to perform against some of the best in not only the Eastern Conference, but the NBA at large? And when when we go back and remember that, yes, we had that early season win against the Miami Heat, played them well, tried to battle back in the most recent loss. Boston has certainly been a problem. But when you start to raise the expectation of what you think this team can do, regardless of the opposition. I think at times it makes it a little bit harder to then go into a game like this. They start a very sluggish, get down big. They close that gap. They fall behind again, going away towards 15 at halftime. Never really get the sense, as Doug and I often talk about, that the Nets were going to make a game of this one. So it, it definitely, it's things, right? Now, they don't have Ubre in this one, and he had a very good start to his t- uh, tenure with the 76ers early in the season, suffered that unfortunate hit-and-run car accident uh, of all the things away from the court injury. And we know the Nets don't have Ben Simmons, and we know they didn't have DSJ, who we'll talk about, and we know that they didn't have Cam Thomas with his extended absence now for the team. So, you know, there, there's a whole bunch of little reasons we could point to and say, yeah, well, what do you expect? But but what it feels like we've expected is that regardless of personnel the nets are going to give you everything they got they only went 10 deep tonight in this game and a couple of the things that obviously jumped out here uh, very early for the nets perimeter defense was a problem so we mentioned dennis smith jr here and it's really been a theme we saw this in the preseason we saw it early in the season every time especially when you have a player like joel Embiid as well but working that high pick and roll at the top of the key has been a problem Tyrese Maxey getting the ball in his hands has been a problem, but there was far too often here when a very simple screen at the top was freeing up 
often Maxi, but whoever on the outside to have very wide open looks and at a minimum create easier free-flowing ball movement. Tyrese Maxey in this game ends up knocking down six of 11 from deep. You want to add in fellow starter Melton, four of six. So they go 10 of 17 from beyond the arc. And, and so many of these instances, and it's not picking on Spencer Dinwiddie because without Dennis Smith Jr. And we highlighted this on a previous episode about his 110 defensive rating right now. He's the guy. He's the guy when it comes to backcourt matchups that can fight over the top or go underneath these screens and still find a way to get you know into the shooting space of, of the outside look to make it a question about whether or not you want to run off that three-point line and drive in towards the paint or continue that pass around the outside. It just was not there for the Brooklyn Nets in this game. And this is, by the way, what you would call a Doug Norrie special if we think about the Nets need to shoot a lot of perimeter shots. That needs to be their bread and butter. Even if they're not going down, you have to keep firing. Because as we mentioned, those two key players, arguably the most important when we come to these outside shooting, 17 attempts between the two of them alone for Philadelphia, those uh, beyond them, a total for this team in Philadelphia of 35 attempts from the outside. So you know, you're talking about half of your shots came between two players. The Nets only had 28 in this game and went 11 of 28 for 39%. So you combine these two categories and, and it really did feel like the thing that has been a problem for the Nets, even regardless of, of the success of Dennis Smith Jr. When he's played, not, not on the offensive end, specifically just defensively here. When you don't have a player like that, it feels like that's always going to be this losing uphill battle for the Brooklyn Nets over the course of the game. That, that That's kind of, to me, one of the two high level things that really unraveled this one. Now, again, when we talk about a team not playing with what we would say at least two of your top five, six players in Cam Thomas and in Ben Simmons. That's the other part of this, the perimeter defense, right? Whether or not we know that Nicholas Claxton and Ben Simmons will ever share the court or intentionally want to overlap those guys, it certainly looks a lot different when you have a player in Ben Simmons that can get that out there on the perimeter and then still have a trust. It can be Nicholas Claxton. It can be Dayron Sharp. It can be the switches when even when you talk about um, Dorian Finney-Smith having to take on battling Joel Embiid inside of the paint. Whoever it may be, the Nets just did not have the extra body to help them manage that. Tried to go to a zone look a couple of times, didn't really make much of a difference. So the theme inside of this blowout loss just being didn't have it. And, and again, at the highest of levels, I, I, you know, we've, I often, I think Doug has joined me in this a couple of times over the course of the season, you come in a loss and you say, listen, I hate to break it to you. There's still going to be silver linings. There wasn't silver linings in this game, right? You give up 38 points in the second quarter. They're going towards the half. You give up another 33 in the third. You're held to 22 in the first and third quarters as well. You don't break a hundred points, right? It just looked like you were gassed or you look like you didn't have, or and you knew you didn't have, what it was going to take to be able to battle the 76ers with consistency. We'll talk about the other side of this. Mentioned Joel Embiid there in terms of setting up some of these screens, but what was the difference when we talk about him getting into the paint? That matchup is always going to be difficult for any team, but again, functionally the defense just did not look like it quite had the assignments locked in or the ability to commit to getting in and out when it comes to the around-the-basket defense and then still deterring some of the perimeter looks and just general ball movement for the Philadelphia 76ers. We'll get into that coming up here in just one second. But before we do, got to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. That's because you know 
that prize picks is the most fun that you could have winning up to 25 times your money this basketball season. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place an entry. With basketball season well underway, you can now pick combo projections across both football and basketball from the Specials League, a league that's created specifically for combinations that include two or more players from different sports leagues. For example, get a little LeBron James action. You want to get a little Travis Kelsey action at 10 and a half combo of three pointers made plus receptions. You can do all of that. And if you want to play alongside some of prize picks, favorite players like rapper Meek Mill or comedian Andrew Scholes, you can go ahead and now find the community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each and every week. PrizePix also offers you the reboot policy so that you know if your entries stay alive, even if one of your players gets injured. If Whether it's football or the NBA with the Brooklyn Nets, Cam Thomas, we've mentioned him, Ben Simmons, we've mentioned him, right? No Dennis Smith Jr., we mentioned them. If one of your players exits the game in the first half of, of it, you can also turn back around, and if they don't return, you know that player is going to be rebooted, and Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use promo code all lowercase LockedOnNBA for a first-time deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA, all lowercase promo code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, so as we continue the conversation around the Brooklyn Nets and the 121 to 99 loss at the hands of the Philadelphia 76ers, when we go inside that that team stat category once again here. Now, listen, by the way, let's be clear, you know, some of these numbers, minute shares and stuff, especially when we get to talking about Trendon Watford. This is uh, white flag territory on the back end of this one in the fourth quarter. But 94 shot attempts to just 81 for the Brooklyn Nets over the course of this game. That's a problem. We also talk about the free throw shooting here. Gosh, you'd be shocked to say you held Philadelphia just 18 trips to the line, but you only get there 16 times. This, this has been one of those categories that's certainly been a struggle for the Nets. But then the other side of it is you won the rebounding battle. Now, again, these numbers get messed up here in the back end of it. But 44 to 45, you were hanging tough inside of it. Far more a distribution for the Philadelphia 76 here, here as well. And while this game was still with the starters and with the core players on the court, the Nets only had 12 uh, fast break points in this one. And that was on, as we at that time, they said it's five turnovers total here. Four at that point for Philadelphia. So they were turning relatively few turnovers for Philadelphia, maximizing them on the fast break opportunities and getting out in transition, but an incredibly clean game from Philadelphia. So that's the other part of this, right? If you're not going to find ways to be disruptive and get some of those turnovers and force some mistakes, you're really giving yourself an additional uphill battle as well. Now, the other player there, first and foremost, as we talked about, Tyrese Maxey, I mean, you know, coming out party for him over the early portion of this season feels like the 76ers are going to be doing their own little personal celebration party, getting James Harden out the door and kind of clearing the space for Maxey to take on this expanded role. 36 minutes for him. Now, he's only 8 of 20. Said 6 of 11 from deep, just 8 of 20 from the field overall, but he gives you 25 points. Melton gave you 21 points, and then 32 from Joel Embiid again. Relatively bad shooting night, 11 of 24. He got to the line 10 times, the bulk of the lift there for the uh, 76ers in that regard, the 12 rebounds, the nine assists. And this is what it comes down to. And you put Maxi in this category as well because he had 10. So 19 combined assists here. Go back to the idea of 
when you're talking about setting some of those pick and rolls, it's just the over and under fighting of screens was a losing battle all game long. And the other part of it is the entry passes and the feeds into Joel and B when he was in the paint. It really just felt like it was it was his time to decide which way he wanted to go. There was some early effort by not only Nicholas Claxton, and then that's a hard matchup as we know, not just for him, but for anybody, but also by Dayron Sharp too, just trying to play some physicality underneath the basket. But Joel Embiid, man, those entry passes into the paint were really get that ball, survey, make your decision. And when the Nets were trying to collapse that defense to congest the paint, the outlet passes were all too easy. The Nets were a half a step, maybe even a step and a half late getting back out to the outside. So the looks and the plays coming off of some of these setups for Philadelphia on the offensive end just felt all too rhythmic. You go back to those turnovers, too much rhythm, too much ease of play here for the Philadelphia 76ers. And anytime you look back up, as we said with Embiid, 31 minutes, he got to sit himself down and relax. It highlights the fact that this game was one going away. Now, the other thing, too, before we talk about, yeah, some of the bright spots, and that's more just a season-long narrative, not so much about inside of this game. Mikhail Bridges. So we go back inside this box score here, right? You have Mikhail Bridges, who ends up playing 29 minutes. Again, everyone's going to get truncated here on that. 16 points he had in the first half of the game. 18 points is what he finished with. 8 of 12, 2 of 2 from beyond the arc, 3 assists to go along with it. So on the one hand, Stop it at the first half. Take away the box score. Take away this game. Just, hey, he's being productive. We're seeing a highly efficient night from Mikhail Bridges. He didn't take his next shot until under 60 seconds in the third quarter. At, at some point, and we understand that we're, we're evolving our opinion of Mikhail Bridges, not that he is not an incredible talent, not that he isn't one of the leaders of this team, and not that he can't be a very efficient and high-volume scorer for this team. But clearly, it's not the same thing that we thought it was over the last 27 games of last season. Nevertheless, when you don't have Cam Thomas out there for you, you need to be one of the engines of this team. And sometimes you say, well, that can be misleading, right? The distribution, obviously some looks don't go down. That's fine. But you cannot walk away from this game and only, I mean, listen, the third quarter, let alone, right? Doesn't take his first shot attempt until under a minute in the third quarter. And then you really don't see a ton of them in the fourth. It, it, it is borderline criminal to not take over the game at some point. And Doug and I talked about this, I think, in our post-game live after the, the traditional podcast last time out, where if not if it's not an injury, which I don't necessarily think it is, there's just a fatigue factor here, there's a mental drain here, the early portion of this game says, oh, he's coming out of it and he's finding it you can't go away for 12 minutes of a game. Even if you're dialed in defensively, even if you're trying to lock up your assignments, even if you're trying to find teammates, when you are down your other lead scorer in Cam Thomas early in this season, and when you know that you have a guy like Lonnie Walker who we'll talk about coming up here in a minute, who has been highly effective game over game, it's no longer a blip, it's a trend with him. you got to find a way to just take over, take control, and say, yeah, I need to go be a high-volume guy. 12 shot attempts is not enough. Him and Cam, Cameron Johnson had 12 attempts apiece. You had Spencer Dinwiddie with 10. It was an off-shooting night for him. He did get to the line. He did distribute pretty well. But this needs to be a bigger volume game here for him. And I just, I just think it's unfortunate, not even inside of this one, but not having Ben Simmons and not having Cam Thomas, I think we keep finding ourselves asking the questions of, okay, what's going to be the perfect version of this or the best version of it, I should say? How are we going to maximize the value of the players we have on this roster? And I think so far, 
And it feels a shame to say it because even though, you know, it's a quiet and non-existent fourth quarter for the starters for the Nets, Mikael Bridges, he would have put up 25 points probably, assuming that he took a few more shots or at least over 20. We can safely say that. So we go back in and we think about the fact that he's giving you 23 and 21 and 27, 31 and 20 and 19, right? You go back and you look over the initial run of the season and you just feel like 24 and 20 going back to the start of the year against Cleveland, against Charlotte. All the all the the, the box scores tell you that's been a pretty good year for Mikhail Bridges, right? Because he's also, he shot 52% from the field in the first month of the season. Over the month of November, he has, by the way, dropped off considerably only shooting 43% from the field. Yeah, he has a couple, one, two, three, four really ugly shooting performances over the course of November right now. And then you dump in some really bad shooting performances from beyond the arc. Some of those numbers have come up, but by and large, the perimeter shooting games have been inconsistent at best, or he's had a couple of little spikes here. Like we go back to that game against Washington, three of five, but again, under 38% from the field on that particular day. Oh, so that was free throws in that game. Excuse me. Uh, two of 14. That was the absolute <laughs> clunker of a game from beyond the arc. One of six, one of four, one of five. The perimeter shooting is its own thing. Once you find a rhythm of going nine of 17, six of 15, eight of 12, you're starting to see some more consistency from the field. Now I just need more volume. You are one of the best players on this team. And even when Ben Simmons comes back, it'll change the dynamics and it'll create some different looking opportunities. You still are one of the engines of this team. Even when Cam Thomas comes back, you still need to be one of these engines of this team. So it was disappointing. It was a frustration there for me personally when it came to Mikhail Bridges inside of this game and just that sentiment of, oh, here's a player that can go away for big stretches. The other things, obviously, even just beyond this loss are the performances, as I mentioned there, of Lonnie Walker really mattered uh, tonight and I think matters for the season going forward. want to have a little bit of a, a broad discussion on him. And then Trendon Watford. The sample size is here. This is a guy that arguably, and I'll highlight some of the numbers here, he might be the X best player in several key statistical categories and deserving of a larger sample size. Unfortunately, without being fully healthy, it's really hard to create that hierarchy across this team. So let's take a look at those two players, talk a little silver linings, and then remind you about the schedule ahead and why the Brooklyn Nets need to be prepared to start stacking a handful of wins to make sure the early season positive vibes carry over as we work towards that 20 and 30 game mark of the year. We'll get into that coming up in just one moment. Before we do, though, got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. Oh, you know that it is, of course, the NFL season in full blast. NBA is well underway, but you can score early in the NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. You go over there right now, right? So $5 money line bet. Well, why don't you go over to Monday Night Football? Why don't you look at the Philadelphia Eagles visiting the Kansas City Chiefs? The money line bet? You can just take Philadelphia. They're plus 128. You think that it's Kansas City and they got the home crowd, two of the best in the league, minus 152. You place that money line bet. You go ahead and you grab yourself $150 in bonus bets with that winning bet. So go ahead and make your choice. Dive in now. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on 
and kick off the NFL season, FanDuel, an official betting partner of the NFL. All right, so as we wrap up our post-game podcast episode talking about the Brooklyn Nets and the unfortunate 121-99 to loss to the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, we said it at the top, but it's worth repeating. This team has surprised us so far this year. This team has also dealt with injuries more than we thought or hoped they would have at a minimum to start this year. So the fact that we sit here at 6-7 and seven, when we look back over the course of their, of their schedule and tally up the losses that they've had, I think you really still look at this team overall and say it's a positive it's a it's a positive early season narrative. The concern here is what is going on with Ben Simmons? We'll get more information on that soon. Cam Thomas hopefully is going to come back here towards the end of this month at minimum we think or at latest at the beginning of December, get that back into the flow here. The talent and the depth that they've been able to utilize has been tremendous and it's helped them keep their head above water in a lot of these situations. We've had surprisingly strong performances, key contributors, guys that we haven't even talked about now in games, like an Armani Brooks who gets brought up and shoots lights out and then goes back down to the G league. But the players that have really carried their weight here specifically Lonnie Walker. I mean, you talk about a guy 32 minutes, nine of 17, six of 11 from deep went to the line just a couple of times here, but gave you six rebounds to go along with two assists, 26 points on the night for him. He's been a machine. He has been an absolute machine. He's averaging almost 16 points a game. He's averaging three rebounds. The field goal percentage near 51%. But it's the consistency, really, that you've loved from him. And we've talked about this before with guys that come up, okay, yes, you can come be a spot fill, but once you start asking too much of a player, it's going to be hard for them to maintain it. Well, not for, I mean, Lonnie Walker is proving that he can maintain it. He has had, over the month of November, only one clunker of a game. He went two of eight against Washington, the game where everybody shot horribly and the Brooklyn Nets still won 102 to 94. Mentioned that about Mikhail there before, a five-point game. Other than that, Dunwell digits scoring in every single one of them. He's been phenomenal from the field overall in almost every single game. Then the shooting from beyond the arc, outside of two games, the Miami Heat most recently there on Thursday night and going all the way back to Chicago at the beginning of November. Low volume, low percentage. Other than that, Three of seven, three of seven, three of four, three of six, six of 11 tonight. That is the highest uh, volume that he's had from beyond the arc. And then you can go back into October there, obviously, where he had great performances, 19 and 14, respectively, against Charlotte and Dallas. He's the real deal. He is the new sixth man for the Brooklyn Nets. When Cam Thomas comes back and he's inside of this starting lineup, there is going to be a shuffling of the hierarchy here in terms of how this team is constructed and how they're going to have success. And we know like Royce O'Neal has played very well and he's a consistent player by and large, but having a guy like Lonnie Walker, and I said, I want to talk a little bit kind of big picture on a player like this. This is why down the road, if you can, when you can, you look to get what you can for a player like Royce O'Neal, for a player like Dorian Finney-Smith, because you've already done the right thing in the offseason, giving yourself these redundancies. So he's been phenomenal. Doesn't change the disappointment of this game. Again, I have to compartmentalize this. I've talked about silver linings and losses. That's not what this is. This is a season-long silver lining that the Nets have an absolute steal in Lonnie Walker, and it looks like you could be talking about him being a double-digit contributor with consistency throughout the course of this season. Had an absolute monster jam, by the way, in this one, too. Some knee issues early in the year, a little bit of balking for a handful of games. Looks like he's 100% healthy in that regard as well. The other guy that I want to note here 
is going to be Trendon Watford. Now, listen, he has a relatively small sample size coming into this game. He was had only played 85 minutes for the Brooklyn Nets. So, you know, we're not really, even if he's averaging 15 minutes a night, you, you know, five games of sample size here. And I think it's around what he is, 14 minutes a game. And a game like tonight is going to skew that a little bit because he ends up playing the bulk of the fourth quarter as well. But when you go over and look, and this was coming into tonight, I had pulled these numbers up, and I'll be curious to see how they flesh out with just more of a sample size. 126.1 offensive rating, 110.2 defensive rating. You go over and you look at the true shooting percentage, 63.2. And this is a guy that's not just doing it at the basket, right? We know he has the perimeter shot as well. 18.8% usage when he's playing. These type of numbers for a guy like this, you have to start to consider, and let's include these as well, his assist to turnover number, 2.17. All of these are among the best for the Brooklyn Nets. I backed out a guy like Armani Brooks because he hasn't played a ton for this team. 13.5 rebound percentage is behind only, I believe, Ben Simmons and Nicholas Claxton, or maybe Nicholas Claxton and Dayron Sharp, only two guys that he's behind. Now, you can sit here on the one hand and we can say, yeah, but he, you know, it's sporadic playing or a really big night here and then some quiet nights there. We'll double down on these as we head into the week and look at where these numbers rank following this game as well. But but he is a player, and tonight, utilizing him again as a point-forward type of player, right? Putting him into some difficult matchups defensively, and he had some moments where uh, he didn't quite execute properly on the defensive end. He had some clunky possessions on the offensive end. Again, inside of a game like this, I'm not going to spurn anybody too hard for errors made along the way. But he had, he had a couple of sequences, even beyond him bringing the ball up the court, obviously. The passing for him, I, I'm going to ask Doug this question this week, and I'll pose it to everybody here and on, on all of our accounts, YouTube and otherwise. Rank him. Rank him as a pure passer on the Brooklyn Nets. Where does he stand? Because he made some great no-look passes. He had some beautiful bullets to the corner to try to set guys up for outside shots. He just seems to have a natural flow for the game. And even on ball, he took it towards the left wing, worked a spin move, drove into the paint, ended up being called, I think, for traveling once he got in, moved his pivot foot when he tried to stop in the paint. But the sequence there was, here's a guy playing at a forward position who can ball handle, who can take a guy off the dribble, who can get into the paint, create his own space and shot. These are things that the Brooklyn Nets need. And I don't know, realistically, how long it's going to take or if it's going to be possible for some of these guys to carve out larger roles. Because I mean by that is at least in the short term, when Ben Simmons comes back, if, whenever he comes back or when Cam Thomas comes back, right? You start to do the hierarchy here as good as Trendon Watford, I think is playing in this sample size. It's going to take an active decision from Jock Vaughn to say you are deserving of a consistent role. That's going to take away from a Royce O'Neal. It's going to take away from a Dorian Finney-Smith, not because they're one-to-one -one replacements, but because the minutes have to come from somewhere. And while he's played really well, can you just totally eliminate Dayron Sharp, who, again, I thought had some nice sequences tonight. It's not all perfect. So, you know, that, that, that run to 240 minutes, it just gets harder and harder to compartmentalize him. The, shame on me, silver lining of having these injuries early in the year is that you've been able to get looks at these guys and confirm Lonnie Walker, great pickup, right? Trendon Watford, great pickup. So we're, we're going to see here as we move towards 20 games, 25 games, how do we think this can shake out and where does this team stand right now? The last note is we get out of this 121-99 loss for the Brooklyn Nets. Again, it's a bad loss. It's against one of the best teams in the league. 
you live with it, you move on from it. And the reason why the Nets need to move on from it, and we'll go into this deeper uh, as we come up here, because the Nets won't play again until the 22nd with the Hawks uh, at home at the Barclays Center. But that full schedule coming up, Brooklyn Nets got through the early portion of this season. And I said, well, where their losses come? Cleveland, Dallas, Boston, Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, Philadelphia. Those are seven losses. And we said, hey, you want to try to steal some of those? Well, they did that against Miami, right? They did it against the Clippers. So they did it. They got a couple of these stealing wins early in the season here. But coming up, and I'm sorry, the Atlanta game is on the road in Atlanta. So they'll go for that one road game, but then they come back. And the next handful here, the next five games following Atlanta is the homestand. Miami, Chicago, Toronto, Charlotte, and Orlando. Those games are huge because when you come back out of them, you're going to go on the road for a big trip. It's going to include the Kings, the Suns, the Nuggets, the Warriors. It's going to be hard to get through that road trip and feel like, hey, staying close to 500 is going to be the agenda. But this homestand here, you need to, uh, listen, might be one of the rare occasions throughout the course of the season we say, hey, there's a three or four game winning streak here, right? There's a, there's a four out of five scenario here potentially. And it's going to have to start with a really difficult gut check matchup here already third game of the season against the Miami Heat. Going to have to find a way to go toe-to-toe with them. But Chicago, Toronto, Orlando, Charlotte wins. Let's get wins. And if you do that, then you continue all of this early season momentum and positive vibes. And hopefully we're talking about over these next couple of days, getting some updates around Cam Thomas and what it looks like for him. That being the case, Doug and I will be back in, obviously, tomorrow. We said not going to play again until Wednesday. So we got a couple of days here to lick our wounds, look back at this game maybe a little bit deeper, talk about some of the adjustments we might want to see if the injury report is going to remain relatively the same heading into that Atlanta matchup on Wednesday night. In the meantime, you get over to YouTube, you subscribe, you tell all your friends about it. Even on an NFL football Sunday, there's still NBA basketball to talk about. You also get over on social at Locked on Nets on X, at Doug Nori, at Adam Armbrecht. And of course, you know, we actually have some exciting stuff. In addition to doing the uh, game day previews, which we unfortunately missed today, Maya Copa on our end over on the podcast feed. We also have some other exciting stuff that we're going to be announcing in the next couple of weeks. We want to continue to give you guys who have been loyal supporters of us and helping us just love and enjoy talking about the Brooklyn Nets. We want to give you guys as much content and as much access to us as we can. So stay tuned for that as we move along. And if you are watching live on YouTube, that means you know next up is the Post Podcast Podcast. Until next time, though, as... Always, when there is no Doug Norrie, there is no quote. Short of saying that I miss my friend, I can't wait until he's back so we can keep talking all things Brooklyn Nets basketball.